Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited. I have a special guest on today. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and say hello. Yes. Uh, hi, my name is Genevieve Gornacek. I'm the author of The Witch's Heart and The Weaver and The Witch Queen, which came out on July 25th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's probably so hard too when you're like building up to it, being like, it comes out on the 25th yep, of July. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's already out. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so we start off all of our interviews with a series of questions. So we'll start with the first one, which is what is your favorite standalone? Oh my gosh, my favorite standalone book. Uh, oh my gosh. And this is why I'm like, I'm mad that I'm not in front of my bookshelf because like, I can't just look yeah. at it and be like, makes it really hard. I'd like to put you on the spot very early on. It's okay. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to think of my favorite standalone. Totally fair. Like all, like I'm a big fantasy reader. So yeah. like all of like almost all of my things yeah. are, are, um, okay. I guess cause I've been plugging this book constantly, uh, dark water daughter by HM long, which like Ooh. as of right now is a standalone. Okay. Um, but I think there's more books coming, but like for right now you can read it and be satisfied with the story. Oh, I love that. Okay. That'll do. That works. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a pirate fantasy, uh, Ooh. that takes place in winter. So if you like pirates of the Caribbean, but winter, like this is a really good book to pick up. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Okay. So second to that, what is your favorite series? Oh, oh, the locked tomb. That's okay. easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And uh, I can't wait for that fourth book to come out. I might have, I might have the posters of the book covers like on my wall with like an yeah. empty frame waiting for the fourth book. <laughs> You're like I am prepared. I am ready. Yes. I'm waiting. <laughs> yes. I know it's going to hurt, mm-hmm. but I'm prepared. <laughs> okay. That's what it's, that's what it's there for. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Okay. Who is your ultimate book boyfriend, AKA your favorite male character? Oh my God. Am I allowed to say one of my own characters? Always. You made them. Okay. So that's how this works. This is this, so this is awkward. So like mine, my, my books are basically historical or mythological fan fiction. So it like feels weird yeah. to say like the name of a historical person as like my favorite book character. But like, I, I just really like one of the male love interests in the Weaver and the Witch Queen. And that is Eric Bloodaxe, which feels really weird to say because he <laughs> literally murders people. But like, it's like that tweet that's like comfort character that is a man covered in blood it's like yep gets yeah, yeah. <laughs> retweet yep yes <laughs> I love that that's so true well like you kind of made the characters in the way that you wanted them to so if it's yours I definitely agree <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay so second to that who's your ultimate book girlfriend so your favorite female character oh my gosh I had so much fun writing Gunhild who is one of the POV characters in Weaver again again historical character but yeah. like like I just I had so much fun with her she's so sassy and so like just her special talent is being able to turn literally any conversation into an argument yes like that was just a lot of fun you're like this is me I am this person (laughs) yes it's me hi I'm the problem it's me correct yeah I I, that's how I felt while I was reading it I was like well this is this one cuts a little too deep yes I'm not gonna lie queen hot mess express yeah I love her that's that's perfect I love it okay can you give us a spoiler free overview of the weaver and the witch queen yes so the weaver and the witch queen is a fantastical reimagining of the origin story of Gunhild mother of kings who was a queen of Norway in the early 10th century during the viking age love it we love it it's so good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started into writing? Yeah. Uh, so I've just been 
coming up with stories for as long as I could remember. Um, but in terms of like actually like sitting down at a computer and writing, um, my age is showing here, but my, my family got our first computer in like 2001. My grandfather had worked for IBM, so he got his first one. One was like a Windows 95. Mm. And I was like, like, you know, I remember like typing out, like learning to type on that computer, writing out my silly little stories and yeah. such. And then when I was 11, I cut my teeth on fan fiction. Nice. Um, like in terms of like actually like writing long form stuff. And eventually um, when I was in high school, I gravitated towards doing my own original stuff. Thankfully, none of that ever took off. Uh, but strangely, <laughs> strangely enough, I feel in many ways that now I'm still like a fan fiction author, mm -hmm. like, like, because you have these worlds that already exist or have existed and there's certain parameters and you have to be yeah. like, okay, what's going to fit in this world and what isn't. So there are rules. Yes. Um, yeah. But that's, that's how I got here as a writer. <laughs> that is awesome. So you published The Witch's Heart a little while ago. Yeah. And this one just came out, like you said, a couple of days ago. How is this one different than creating The Witch's Heart and sort of like the marketing for that and the development and all of those sorts of things? Oh my gosh, so different. Um, yeah. In terms of actually writing the book, I wrote The Witch's Heart in 2011. I wrote it for NaNoWriMo. I wrote it in three weeks. Nice. And that was the, that was the messy first draft. And then I just kind of sat on it because I was like, this story is like so close to my heart and mm -hmm. I don't really want to share it with anybody. And uh, I, so I tried to get two of my other projects published. Like right after college, I started looking for an agent. I queried on and off for like five years. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I was like, okay, well, if the witch's heart doesn't get me an agent, I'm clearly not meant to do this. So I finally sucked it up and started sharing the witch's heart because uh, this was 2018. And a funny little thing happened that year because I was like, should I query the witch's heart? Because I don't know that anybody's going to be interested in reading about this mythology retelling where a woman is in the middle of nowhere, exiled from the gods and kind of doing her own thing. And then Cersei came out that year and I was like, maybe, there is, a mar maybe there is a market for this after all. So when I tell you that I sent out my first batch of queries again, five years I had been at this with two different books I, I after all these years and two different books I send out my first batch of query letters within five minutes agents usually take weeks to respond five mm -hmm. minutes I think I'm just must, must have caught this agent at the right time yeah um she immediately asked for a full uh less than two weeks later I had signed with her and then mm -hmm. six months later um I had a book deal with Penguin Random House so it was like it was so wild. Fun. And like for, for that, I I definitely had to revise a lot. Actually, my deal was contingent upon me rewriting the second half of the book, which my editor thought was very sad. Oh. Um, and she was right. Uh, so I had to do that. And I was like, fine, I pick a random house. Like, you want me to rewrite this book? I'll rewrite this book. Like, yeah. um, I'll start over um, if you want. <laughs> yes. So like, what's weird about that is like the first half of the book seems like a time capsule to mm -hmm. me. Like, you know, 12 years ago right. when the second half is like fresh. And like, I've had people say like, I can tell the writing style changes a little bit because like just so yeah. much time has passed. Whereas with The Weaver and the Witch Queen, I was starting a new book from scratch and right. I was writing it under contract. So there were expectations, there were deadlines. Um, I couldn't write it and then let it marinate for seven years. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I went through four drafts of The Weaver and the Witch Queen before the one that finally <laughs> made it to publication. So yeah. it's been a process. <laughs> Definitely. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And it must feel so different too. Cause like, you're kind of coming from, like you were saying, marinating on it for a long time. And then you're coming in and you're like, I have this idea. And then you have a lot of people to kind of help you through the yeah. process and like, mm -hmm. not necessarily hold your hand, but just sort of be that like moral support that maybe you didn't have with, with which is heart. <laughs> 
Right, right. The witch's heart. I was like, I don't know what it is that like back in college, I was so productive all the time. I was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll bang out an entire novel in three weeks. That's fine. And now I'm just like, mm-hmm. maybe I can write a couple words a day. I don't know. Like it's this totally different like mindset, a totally different process when you are writing something that you know is going to be published, like mm-hmm. writing something for publication versus writing something from your heart. Yeah. And so in Weaver, one of the big things I had to do was like find the heart of the story. I yeah. had to like, I had to fall in love with the story. And that that took a couple drafts, but it yeah. happened. Yeah, it, you can definitely tell. I, I definitely feel like how passionate you are about the like the genre and the era and all that kind of Thank stuff. You. I think that really shows through with like the little details throughout the book. So I loved Thanks. it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what inspired your characters and inspired the setting for uh, Weaver and the Witch Queen. Yeah. Uh, so the setting was definitely inspired by the medieval Icelandic sagas, which were my main source of information for the Weaver and the Witch Queen. But I, I, I definitely was inspired by uh, my own experiences doing Viking Age living history, which I've done for like uh, close to a decade. And just being able to like write in those little details that I've like gotten to experience and gotten to work with, like with my own two hands um, was pretty fun. Yeah, thank you. And just like the scenery, I finally made it to Norway when I, at like near the end of me writing Weaver, because Weaver was my pandemic book. I couldn't get over there and do research. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and like the landscape was very inspiring to me too just like it kind of gave me that last uh last little bit of inspiration that I needed to like cross the finish line with the last draft so yeah inspiration everywhere yeah that's awesome how did you kind of get into the Viking mythology and like deciding to do that as I know I think you did your degree in that right uh, yes, I did my degree in history, but Scandinavian studies as a minor. Um, yeah. And so when I was in college, I got to study abroad in Sweden. Okay. And my grandfather's from Sweden, so I'd always wanted to go. And I'd taken some of the language courses at uh, my university. And uh, so I finally like applied for a scholarship and got it. So I got to go to Sweden. And the whole time I was there, I was like, oh, look, like a runestone or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what any of this stuff is. Like, <laughs> just totally not appreciating what yeah. I was seeing. Um, and while I was there, I was like, I might as well do a Scandinavian studies minor. I, I lived in Scandinavia for four months, right? Yeah. So the first class that was offered when I got back to Ohio State um, after study abroad was Old Norse language in translation. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I'll just, I'll just take this. Uh, little did I know that literally like walking into that classroom the, after the first day, I was like, whoa, like this is, this is going to become my whole personality. Um, <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. So uh, really like the language and getting to translate the stories um, was really my gateway into the subject. And then I took another course on the Nordic myths and then Mm -hmm. another one on the Icelandic sagas. And I was just, I was sold. Yeah. Um, I even applied for grad school in this, in the subject in Iceland. I got in, but I couldn't make it work. Um, So I was really sad and I bought a Viking outfit off the internet and I went to the medieval fair and (laughs) promptly got scooped up by a living history group that I'm still with today. So it's just interesting, like the ways that the courses that our lives can take um, when we least expect it or when we're like at our worst, at our lowest, because I was real low after I had to decline grad school. Like that was, that was my dream for a really long time. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine that's horrible. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's crazy too. Cause like you never think one four month moment in your life can like change your life forever like yeah that's definitely fair like you're like I don't know if this is who I'm gonna be but it is now in fact my entire personality yes exactly (laughs) yeah that is so cool that's crazy so how much research went into creating this novel like did you kind of do it based off of you know 
you looking into it, like you were saying you went to visit Norway and all that kind of stuff, or was this a lot of just like in the library research during the pandemic? Um, it was a lot of uh, going through the textbooks that I had that I maybe had been putting off, um, trying to find new academic articles to read uh, just because, you know, once a textbook is out, it's already out of date. So it's like, yeah, uh, just trying to find like, okay, so what is the common thing or uh, the common like uh, thought about this subject or that subject within the Viking studies? Uh, so a lot of, a lot of that, uh, there was also a ton of me going, I know this. How do I know this? And <laughs> trying to like track down individual facts um, to try to corroborate them with um, like an actual source rather than like a meme. Because mm -hmm. like there's so much because Vikings are in right now. Like they're, yeah, they're yeah. a huge thing. And like whenever something becomes a thing, capital T thing, you get uh, just like a, a slew of misinformation. Just, you know, people on TikTok being like, hey, did you know the Vikings? And it's like, that is literally not true. Where did you get that from? <laughs> but then you've got like thousands of people like, Liking it and commenting like wow I didn't know that it's like this is true <laughs> so like I know some academics like that are on TikTok who are kind of trying to be like actually mm -hmm. like let's stop for a minute and think about this um but there was a lot of me going like okay did I pick this up from a meme without thinking about it or is this actually somewhere in the story so it was a lot of me hunting down yeah facts and trying to find out how I know what I think I know <laughs> Is this real? Is this not real? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is this from a meme? <laughs> right. Know. Is this from History Channel's Vikings? I don't know. Yeah. Did I learn this on the internet or Netflix? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. I feel like it's so hard to, to like kind of develop that because like you said, there's so much information out there and you're like, yeah. how much of this is accurate and how much of it is going to be like just so well constructed that it's hard to get across in yes. a book like this, you know, like yes. kind of a fiction book. And it's like, yes. how much political intrigue do I put in here? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. Very difficult. Yes. Um, so what kind of inspired or where did you get your inspiration for the magic system in this? You know, obviously our main character is a witch and there's a couple other witches in there as well. So where did you kind of get that inspiration? I definitely got that inspiration from the sagas um, okay. and, and a little bit from archaeology too, because we have found staffs like the one that Gunhild is holding on the U.S. cover of Weaver, um, like a Sierra's staff that we think is a Sierra's staff. There's a joke in archaeology like, oh, if we don't know what this object is, it was for ritual purposes. Um, so, that, yeah, we think because it, it just, you know, the twisted top kind of resembles a, a distaff, like the wool wrapped around the staff. Um, mm -hmm. If you've seen the Northmen, uh, Bjork's character, she's holding holding it under her arm as she spins. Um, so the magic system was definitely inspired by not only that, but like incidents that happen in the sagas with like shapeshifters and stuff. Um, because that's like, that is a thing that happens like, oh, there's an animal, but it has human eyes. Right. That means it's a shapeshifter. And so I really played on that. And honestly, like the supernatural is such a huge, like ingrained part of the landscape of these stories. They're, the, you know, the sagas are basically historical fiction, historical fantasy themselves. So it was a very mm -hmm. short, short jump to make it into like a, a historical fantasy novel. Yeah. I love the magic that. was already there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know it's so crazy. Cause like you go back to Europe and it's like, they have so much history there, first of all. Yes. Yes. And then it's like, they have all of these stories and you're like, do you guys like, was this real? Did this happen? Right. Do you guys believe this? Is this like a real right. thing? Like, are we supposed to? Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. I just went to Ireland like a couple months ago and we went to the Giants Causeway and they're like oh. telling the story. And yes. I'm like, is this real though? Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> did giants really come here and like knock these pillars down? Like, is that really happening? Yes. It's, it's as real as you want to believe it is, I think. Yeah. 
It's yeah. crazy. And they have like so many, like they have so much story behind it too. And it sounds mm-hmm. like, I'm like this, I feel like you were there. You can tell me that you were actually there and this is real. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. It's so cool. And it like makes everything very like rich, I think too, when yeah. you're sort of telling these and it's like, we don't, we don't have that here in the States, but it's yes. really cool to read about yes. it in Europe. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, cool. So what was the hardest scene for you to write in this one or the witch's heart? Oh my gosh. Or favorite, or like the hardest type of scene for you to write? Um, the hardest type of scene for me to write is, is the kind where you know that something bad is going to happen, but the characters don't know. And they're just like, everything's going to be fine now. And then everything is decidedly not fine. Yeah. So just like in The Witch's Heart, the events leading up to, and I don't think this is a spoiler because this happens like literally in the myths, but like the, the scenes leading up to Angermoda's children being taken, like mm-hmm. were very, were very difficult because it's like, I knew what was coming and I was like, oh, sucks. And then in Weaver, there the scenes leading up to a certain duel were especially hard because there's yeah. just this sense of unease and I like making myself uneasy, like trying to get us there. And it's like, oh, you know, it's coming. And everybody's like, it's fine. Everything's going yeah, great. It's fine. We'll be out of here in no time. There's no need to, there's no need to rush. Yeah. Oh, there is a need. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's <laughs> so fair. Okay. So in contrast to that, what is your favorite type of scene to write? Probably dialogue, arguments, snarky, snarky, yeah. uh, witticisms and such. Uh, I, I have a lot of fun with those. Some would say perhaps too much fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of uh, me having to go back and weaver and like look at some of the like arguments and bickering and stuff and be like, okay, where can I cut this down? Mm-hmm. Like, because if I'm rereading it and I'm getting annoyed at my own characters, yeah. like maybe it's time to make some cuts. So um, there was a, there were a lot of things cut from weaver over four drafts and not just, not just banter. Mm-hmm. It was there was a lot cut, but uh, yeah, just trying to trying to be like, okay, uh, what best serves the story? What yeah. doesn't slow down the pacing? What is going to make this narratively make sense? Totally fair. I love that though. Like banter is my favorite thing to read because yes. it's so quick. <laughs> you yeah. can just like go back and forth and you're like, this is hilarious. Yes. I wish I was that snarky in real life. <laughs> yes. I, it, uh, I also love writing side characters. Like mm-hmm. I just, there is also so much from Weaver about the side characters that yeah. ended up being cut um, because they, they're they just so much fun. I love them all and I just want to write all of their stories, but there just wasn't, I didn't have the space. I didn't have the word count. Yeah. Um, so that's why you get a couple instances of like talking about a character's backstory and then like never visiting it again because okay. I just <laughs> couldn't do it and I wanted to. So fingers crossed that I can get a sequel. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're like, listen, you have to fall in love with them so we get more. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and I do like that, you know, obviously we have our two main characters in this one, but you also get quite a few, like you said, side characters and they do play a huge, like pivotal role. And mm-hmm. I and I always like when there's like a big cast of characters and it kind of is yeah. that found family vibe without having to go yes. through like the journey of becoming a right. family. They already are yes. one. Like that is yes. so, yeah, it's so niche, but I love it. <laughs> Uh, I, I, that's one of my favorite things too. Found family, yeah. uh, morally gray characters and found family are like yeah. bread and butter. <laughs> I love it. And like, you know, half of the group is like already a found family and we're kind of like merging them together. And yes. I think, yeah, that's, that's so fun. And, and like, if it's do- really well done, it's one of those ones where you're like, oh, I feel so like nostalgic and like homey yeah. while I'm reading this. So yeah. Um, what's really funny. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, what's really funny is that a couple of my friends from living history read an earlier draft mm-hmm. of the book 
and they were both like oh man this makes me just want to go hang out with our viking friends like this just it's like i they're like i see so many of our friends like little pieces of our friends in in this group in this found family and i was like that was unintentional but like you write you write you write what you know i didn't you know mean oh this character is this person this character like nothing like that but just like the vibes of just like hanging out with your friends around a campfire and just you know vibing in your linen and wool and yeah (laughs) hand stitched leather shoes and such in your shed that you live in yes (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so speaking of characters and character development all that kind of stuff who's your favorite character to write oh my gosh I I just love Eric and Gunhild yeah I love I love their dynamic I got real obsessed with them but also Eric's brother Arambun like he was just in the, in this so he is a historical character too and um you know he's Eric Bloodaxe's foster brother um and he in the sagas he is very much like a mediator uh like between Eric and whoever Eric is fighting with at this time yeah uh, which is like everybody so he's so uh Arnbjorn is just so like uh, he's such a cool character to me like the unsung hero almost he's the guy yeah. who's trying to keep the peace so in weaver it was very easy for me to be like okay what if i just reimagine him as like this funny little guy like, <laughs> i think it worked like yeah definitely you know, yeah i love him yeah i like that you always need one that's like really brutish and strong but at the same time is like really yes. funny and yes. just knows that everything in life is a joke so <laughs> yes like yeah. literally it's the it's the um from Parks and Rec, it's the April and Andy like yes, dynamic. Like, yes, people will die of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's them. <laughs> that's that's very much so. Yes, I love that. So, is there a character that you found really difficult to write? Um, honestly, uh, Odney was kind of difficult sometimes because okay. because we have so much in common. Like she is very much like me. So I had to be careful of like, okay, how much of myself am I putting on the page? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you always run the risk if you make a book too personal, Yeah. Um, then every, even every little bit of criticism that makes its way to you seems like it's personal. Right. So um, it was very much one of those things where I was like, I have to write this character to the best of my abilities, but also kind of keep my distance from her. Like, I don't want to give her all of my neuroses, <laughs> but like just some of them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was a difficult line to walk, I think. Totally fair. You're like, I want the best for her because I want the yes. best for me, but yes. at the same time, yes, I have to not be her. Yeah, that's yes. totally fair. I feel like she's a really like relatable character as well, because I think especially in that time period, it's like mm-hmm. somewhere between seeing all the people you want. And I try not to say a lot of spoilers, but seeing the people around you who want something different than like the norm yes. and then you wanting the norm and then you trying to like toe that line and be like, yeah, who is right and who is wrong? Right. Is it the time period? Is it my personality? Is it everyone around me? Yeah. And, sure. uh, yeah, and Odney also like interrogates herself at certain points. In the book, like, why do I want this norm? Mm-hmm. Like, is this something that I want personally, or is this something that my mother and society tells me that I want? Right. So, um, like, and I feel like her sister Signe is at the opposite end of that. She's like, I don't care. I want to be either go on adventures or marry a rich man. Like, right. I do not want to stay. Like, I do not want to be a poor housewife forever. Um, right. and then Gunhild's like kind of off the map. She's like, I am there's power over there. I'm going to get it. I'll see you guys later. Right. <laughs> see you soon. In see you 12 years. Many moons from now. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's so fair. I love that. I really did like her character too, because I think she is a good, happy medium between the three of them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you kind of think in the beginning that maybe she's just a little quiet and shy, but her mm-hmm. character really progresses and develops. And I think she has a really fun arc. 
Thank you. That's also something that I wish that, again, I would have had more time to explore like her actual process of learning magic and kind of becoming that person because, Mm -hmm. you know, we see her as a child, then we see her as an adult. And she's like you said, she's different. Like she has changed and she's kind of grown up into her power, but she's also very proud and she makes mistakes and she's allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's also really important because, you know, uh, one of my textbooks mentions, you know, Gunhild is not a successful political figure in her time. Um, mm-hmm. I won't spoil like the history, but like she doesn't always win, and yeah. that's okay. Uh, so I, that I think that's one of the things I like most about her is that she doesn't always win. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, we're not romanticizing like the the facts of history and making her something right. she's not. Yeah, right, right. This was not. I did not want this to be like the rehabilitation of Gunhild. She does some very questionable things. Yeah, in our sources, uh, she curses people, she poisons people. But my goal was to have like people who are familiar with her story be able to look at Weaver and be like, okay, I can see this person growing into this person. Right. Um, and people who maybe have never heard of her, like, hopefully, will be like, I want to know more about her. Yeah, I really liked that. And I think it's it's cool to kind of see that historical element like mixed in there. And like you're saying, you're pulling from a lot of different places. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's a really good overview interpretation of what happened at the time and like who this character yeah. was. And yeah, I definitely think it's going to inspire a lot of people to look further into her. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. So what's it been like for you being an author in the age of the bookish interwebs of like bookstagram and book talk and, you know, kind of publishing the first time around, it was a little bit smaller. And now in this time, you know, through the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, what's that been yeah. like? Um, well, the first time around, uh, cause the witch's heart released in the pandemic. So like it was, I had no, understandably, there was mm. no, not really any in-person stuff going on. My publisher wasn't condoning it, obviously. Um, again, understandable. Um, but there, I mean, I'm going on a book tour this time for Weaver. So that's already like vastly different. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like the internet, I sometimes, I, it's really important to me to be able to like connect to people. So I really do try to respond to like everything on Instagram specifically because mm-hmm. Instagram is my happy place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm updates only on Twitter and I only posted like a couple videos on TikTok before I was like, I am being perceived. Um, goodbye. <laughs> I don't yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, I'm, st- I'm still on TikTok all the time, but like people seeing my face, I'm just like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm very shy. So this totally is all fair. like very, very new to me. So like to be perceived, like yes. capital, yeah. capital P perceived. But yeah, it is, it is challenging, especially like just feeling like I have to constantly make myself available mm-hmm. um, for everything. And so like this time around has been a practice and like draw, trying to draw healthy boundaries and be like, okay, I'm only going to respond to comments on like this day. Like I'm not going to just constantly be on my phone doing yeah. stuff um because like while I do want to connect with people like I feel like I need to limit it to like a time and a place mm-hmm. and not just have it be like constant yeah absolutely I think it's really hard too because it's like you could see the shift from the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was mm-hmm. kind of getting on and like making you know book talk and bookstagram a thing right. and then I feel like there's been a huge shift in the last year of exactly what you're saying like authors having to be available And it's like, it's not just a book anymore. It's like your whole personality and like your availability. And like, I don't know when that line got towed, but it's very strange. Yeah. And I have been, I have been very lucky in my publishing Mm -hmm. experience that my, my team uh, behind my books at Penguin has been so like involved and so active. Yeah. Um, But I, I know other authors who they have to do all their own promo and they're like hustling on TikTok and they're mm-hmm. hustling on Instagram and they're just putting out content constantly. And I, I, I feel again, like very, very fortunate that I am not doing that because yeah. 
that is very overwhelming to me. Um, like it, it's just, it sucks that we are expected to be both authors and content creators. Like yeah, I wish wild. that, I wish that we could just be authors. Um, mm-hmm. but some authors are really good at content creation I know, and seem to find like great joy in it and good for yeah. them. I am just not one of those people. I am like, I am a shy baby. Like yeah. if I could just like go out into the wilderness and like live <laughs> in a little mushroom or something and just like write out my books, like on a typewriter and mail them to Penguin Random House, like yeah. never do anything like that would be awesome awesome um and just like meet people in person because mm-hmm. that's that's super fun now that um you know that's becoming more of a thing. yeah yeah I just I really like talking to people but I'm also very tired and yeah shy, so like <laughs> emotionally it's a lot yeah definitely. yeah yeah You're like I can do a book signing but it's really hard to be like constantly on too on the internet right yeah. yes yes and yes. that's exactly exactly being on Mm-hmm. Like I, like, I'm also, I'm neurodivergent. So like, I only have like these, this many spoons to yeah. like give out in social settings. And then the battery is out and I'm like, I need to sit in the quiet for a second mm-hmm. and just like five. So yeah, yeah you, totally you get it, fair. you get it. You yeah, I do absolutely. Get it. Well, and like I think for me too is like I've interviewed a lot of indie authors. I've interviewed a lot of you know Penguin Random House authors. I've and mm-hmm. other like trad pub and stuff. And it's like the difference is startling, and that's why I always yes. like to ask that question because I'm like, it's so wild that there's some people out there who, like you said, are really good at content. They love doing that, yes, and they're making books. But then at the same time, it's like you, your guys's network too, demands so much of you, yes, of, you know, yes. deadlines and having to do these things and like creating promo and all that. So it's so crazy, like how much work all authors have to do as far as marketing right. goes. And it's like, aren't right. you just, yeah, in a mushroom sending yeah, your drafts yes. and like calling it a day? <laughs> yes, <No>. exactly. <laughs> I wish. Like, no. You're a marketing manager. You're all, you have to promote right. yourself. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you have to be your biggest advocate. And it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work it, for yeah, sure. It is. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so do you have any advice for any aspiring authors? Um, I know. Um, I would say, I especially say to people who are querying, like it is really hard out there right now. There's like, the, I feel like just from the couple times I popped on Twitter the past few months, the industry seems like it's in like in hu- this huge like state of flux, like mm-hmm. people are leaving or like transferring jobs or, and, and imprints are closing down and yeah, th- that face. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a hard time to try to break into this industry, especially since the industry itself is like so gatekeepy, mm-hmm. like just, and I would say my advice used to be your time will come. Like I promise, because mm-hmm. at least for me, I'm so glad that none of my earlier stuff got picked up. I like, <laughs> I'm glad that it happened when it happened, even though I was like about to give up five Mm -hmm. years into querying. And I would still say your time will come, but I would also say hang in there. Yeah. Like the industry is always changing. And I guess like if you don't give up, hopefully things will happen when they're going to happen for you. Uh, So long as you just keep sticking with it, even when it's really hard and it is so hard like my friends and my friends in the query trenches, even I have some author friends, some traditionally published author friends who have lost their agents and have had to go back to querying. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, these are people with books published through like Harper, you know, right. like big publishers and they're having trouble getting agents. So like if authors who are already published are having trouble getting an agent, yeah. it must be so much harder for anybody who's trying to find their first agent. So I have a lot of, a lot of kudos to give to people who are trying to do it right now it is Mm -hmm. it is a bad time and just good luck yeah just gotta believe in your story gotta believe that your story is meant to be out there and meant to be told so yeah 
yeah, it's yeah. a rough time. <laughs> I, I will, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yes. And like, I, you know, indie authors and my self-published friends also like, you know, they hustle so much. And so like, if you decide to go that route, just know that it is going to be a lot of work, mm-hmm. um, but people have their own reasons for doing it. Like having total creative control over your product, like a lot of, for a lot of people, like that is very enticing. And yeah. I just watch my friends work their tails off marketing themselves. And mm-hmm. I, again, give them so many props for that. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I think the industry is changing a lot. Like there is so much, I don't want to say like vulnerability, but like there's so much vulnerability in being an independent author and like happy, like you said, having that creative control. And I feel like the community as a whole has kind of come together and been really a lot nicer than we were years ago to independent authors. And yeah, there's a lot more Mm -hmm. like championship behind that. So yeah, it's definitely possible on that end, but it is a lot of work. Yes. Um, Because I remember like years ago, the idea that like, oh, self-published people are just people who didn't make it in traditional Mm -hmm. publishing. Like there was that very pervasive idea. And I, from what I'm seeing, that idea is kind of like leaking away, thank goodness, because it makes my blood boil again, watching how hard my friends work. Um, Like just give them some credit. Like they are putting out good stuff. They chose this. Yeah. They're not doing this because they failed otherwise. they, They chose this path because it was the best fit for them. Yeah, I love that. And I think the industry as a whole is changing a lot and it it's yes. it's very true. It is an influx and it's it's terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, sure is. <laughs> yeah. So it's a weird time to be in books, I'll tell you that. Yes, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> having a great time. Having awesome. a great time. <laughs> yeah, just straight up having a great time. Um, okay. So you did mention a little bit about doing a book tour. What does that look like for you? Where can people find info if they want to see you on the book signing? Yes. Uh, so I believe I have it posted on my Facebook page, which I barely use. And also on oh. my Instagram. <laughs> it's one of the pinned posts on my Instagram at this moment. And there are tickets to the events in uh, the link in my bio. But so like tonight, I'm going to be in Menor, Ohio. Tomorrow, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, and so and then I'm going two stops in Iowa and then another stop back in Ohio when I come back. So I love yeah, that. By, by the time this episode airs, those will all be over. So yeah. <laughs> good to know though where you're at if there are signings just the midwest (laughs) yeah okay actually yeah i do have a signing in youngstown on august next saturday yeah somewhere in that realm yeah (laughs) somewhere around there awesome i love that (laughs) so what is next for you i know this one just came out but you know what do you have in the pipeline i am very jealous of authors who like have already written their next book by the time a bo- <laughs> they have a book come out. I am not that person. Um, I don't know what's next for me. I haven't okay. gotten my next project approved. I'm really holding out hope again for my sequel to Weaver because it literally, it's it ends just before like one of the inciting incidents in Gunhan's mm-hmm. life that really sets her down the path she ends up going down. Uh, so like to be able to write that part out like would be so much fun and yeah such such a such a pipe dream so fingers crossed <laughs> okay I love that that would be awesome I'm also crossing my fingers for you because I would love to read that <laughs> thank you <laughs> that is awesome um okay so I have one last question where can everybody find you I know we mentioned it a little bit but where can everyone find and follow you on the internet uh, I am most active on Instagram at Jen Gornacek. That's Jen with a G. Um, same thing on Twitter, which I barely use. I'm on threads now, again, as at Jen Gornacek. My Facebook page as well. My author page where I'm wearing my little Nordic sweater. Uh, yeah. So those places are usually where you can find me. Also, I have a contact form on my website. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.